Okay, we're going to talk about the fun part now. We're going to talk about social media. Um, I wrote a book. I never thought I'd write a book. I never wanted to be an author. Even the day that I started writing the book, I didn't know I was going to write a book that day. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I wrote the book because a kid at Pomona High made me mad. And uh, so I went home and wrote a book. And by the end of the talk, I'll tell you why, why he made me mad. But it's an interesting time in our life as you begin to, as we begin to work with this, I think that you can really begin to appreciate how fast our lives are changing. This book is called Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers. I am absolutely blown away. I always say God wrote the book and I typed it. Um, I, I am not a trained author. I just wrote it as I talk. But it has 35-star reviews on uh, Amazon and, uh, and only one four-star and that's it. And I'm like, whoa, I, I know God did this. And I'm very, very grateful. It's in his second printing. Uh, we do have the book in several school districts now, uh, especially for counselors. We were talking about that earlier, how important that is, that uh, especially counselors understand how all this works. So it's called Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers. Okay, so all of this started because I was training in a church in Clovis, California last year. And it was the craziest thing I ever saw. All the parents sat on this side and all the kids sat on this side. And I thought, what is this? Are they not speaking? What's going on here? And it was really, really odd. Anyway, so I said to the parents, I said, tell me what social media you're on. And it was... Um, Facebook, Instagram, one was crushing candy, and one was playing Farmville. So then I said to the parent, to the kids, I said, tell me what social media you're on. And it was Tango, Tinder, Tumblr, Flickr, Uvu, Omegle, and Poof. It sounded like a foreign language. But all of a sudden, I realized something. That before me was an e-chasm, electronic chasm. And that we are in a unique time in society, in a unique time in history that we have never, ever been at before. And I think that this is really, really important to understand this because we have an entire generation of young people who have never not known the Internet. Haven't they always known the Internet, this generation? Now, the older kids, they knew the Internet but they didn't have these devices 24-7. 87% of kids sleep with their phone. And I'm going to tell you that everyone in this room has taken your phone to the bathroom with you at least once, okay? And 20% of you lost it in the toilet. And I am one of them. But think about that. We were talking today uh, here when Les was saying they had to give up his phone when he was at the prison the other day. And just how deprived he felt, how uncomfortable he felt. And so we have an entire generation of kids who have never not known the Internet. It has defined their life. And we have an entire generation of parents who are technophobic. And some are techno-impotent. And my editor said, can you use that word? And I said, you bet. Watch this. <laughs> because they are. But do you realize what that means? What that means is we have an entire generation of kids that have all the power. They have all the knowledge. They have all the independence. They have all the control as mom and dad are over here going, you be careful on that now, whatever it is you're doing. You don't do that, whatever it is you're doing. You hear me? I'm the mom now. 
And so we have this electronic chasm that changes the, the balance of parenting. And I think that that's very, very important to recognize that. I love to show this to kids. Do you guys realize this is the first computer? What is really scary is I was alive when that happened. (laughs) But everything that's in that computer now is now on this. And it just changes everything. Let me ask you a question. Who owns the Internet? Anybody know? Nobody? That's the right answer. Can you think of anything else in our life that nobody owns? That is an amazing factor. I remember when the internet came out. I was so excited. I was in sales. I was in international sales. I'm like, I got to find out who owns this because this is going to be really big and I got to sell them something. Uh, And I couldn't find out. What do you mean nobody owns it? Somebody owns it. But when you have something like this that connects the whole world and nobody owns it, that is going to change everyone's life. So let me ask you this. If nobody owns it, is it private? It's a fascinating thing because we all know it's not private. But I bet you almost everybody in this room sat behind a keyboard once and started to give away your deepest secret or record something very private. Or think about sending out a photo to someone, believing that whoever you're sending it to is the only person that's ever going to see it. But I can tell you that that's just not true. In fact, I know that if I go on a Nordstrom website and I'm looking at something, in 15 seconds when I'm off of that, I get an ad from Chico's. They know exactly where I've been and what I'm looking for. And we need to think about that when in terms of educating our kids, especially when it comes to photos. So there are over 3 billion Internet users, over 3 billion. 40% of the world is now connected by the Internet. And the FBI says there are over a million predators at any given time on the Internet. Do you realize that when you hand your 10 or 12-year-old young person a cell phone, that they are going to meet more strangers than you have known in a lifetime? And what are we doing to prepare them for that? One of the things I'm going to tell you is I'm not against technology. Technology is here to stay. Technology is not good and it's not bad. It is how you choose to use technology. And I'm going to be talking about video gaming before I'm through, and there's nothing wrong with some video games. Our kids are learning through video gaming at schools. You see three- and four-year-olds walking around with a little tablet, right? By the way, they can get highly addicted at a very young age. And there's a, uh, I don't know if it's on my Facebook page or not, but I just saw a video of showing an 18-month-old child a tablet. And then they took it away. And then they gave it back. And the behavior was just disgusting, (laughs) you know. Give me back my tablet. And they would throw these temper tantrums until they got it back. It is very, very addictive. But think about what all this means. I read of a case recently where they gave a nine-year-old boy a smartphone. And this kid was one smart kid. 
he immediately went on and figured out how to download the Kick app. And you're going to hear about Kick from me because that's one of my big pet peeves. But he immediately downloaded the Kick app and met his local pedophile. And the pedophile's 44 years old and he wants his naked photo. So the guy goes, okay. So he takes his naked photo and he downloads that or uploads that on Kick and he sends it out to the pedophile. And they found this out because the pedophile showed up at the house. But think about this whole scenario. This nine-year-old, in less than one hour, figured out to install Kick, download, meet a stranger, take a photo. Now, he hasn't gone through puberty, so why, why does he think he's taking a naked photo? But the guy wanted a naked photo, so he shot it and sent it off. It would take you and I four hours. Some of you it would take 10 hours, and some of you never to download, upload, photo, send off, send off, like that. But this nine-year-old kid could do it just like that. What he couldn't do is put together the cognitive reasoning that he shouldn't be doing that. And why? And this is one of the things we have to think out because it's kind of like handing your 10-year-old your a bottle of vodka and saying, no, you carry that around to your 14, but don't open that. Because I can guarantee you every child... I can guarantee you, ever one of you adults sitting here, when you did something when you were 12 years old that somebody told you not to do, why not? You're going through puberty and you're going to explore. You're becoming independent. Except now we load these things up and hand them to our kids that can reach total strangers that can change their thinking. In fact, now... Total strangers are influencing our kids on morality, spirituality, sexuality, gender choice. I find that one kind of amusing if it wasn't so serious. I always say I didn't know I had a choice. I thought I had to be a blonde, but gender choice. Do you know our state is looking at allowing kids to make gender choice without parental permission? Whoa, how did we get to there? Abortion, attitudes on ISIS. This is an interesting thing. I saw a case on TV one night on, on uh, Bill O'Reilly Fox News. He's starting to get the idea. I'm a Republican probably, but anyway. Bill O'Reilly Fox News. I'm watching this. And this family came on, and their son was 20 years old. His name was Chris Cornell. And he was caught with a pipe bomb ready to blow up a landmark in Washington, D.C. And mom and dad were on, on Bill O'Reilly, and they're going... Not Chris. I mean, Chris doesn't have a violent bone in his whole body. And, he, and he's certainly not political. The only thing Chris ever did was that he played video games 10 hours a day and talked to his kitty. Well, it wasn't kitty. This guy is in a video game that has a chat room with a sub chat room. And he was in a chat room with ISIS. ISIS has chat rooms on World of Warcraft. They have it on Grand Theft Auto that we know of. You get in there and you're playing a game of violence and sex and having a good time. And these people are talking to you and you need their approval. And that's what happened to Chris Cornell. Ten hours a day, he's playing one of these very violent games and somebody is talking to him. And so now we have the availability. These are things that parents used to be responsible for in training their kids. But now your average family only talks to their own child about an hour and a half a day at most because the rest of the time the, the young person is interacting through social media. 
I believe that we're in the fight of our lives for our kids' soul. I believe that with all of my heart. And we must stand up and pay attention to this. The reason I wrote my book is because I'm involved in case after case after case, which you will see on my social media, on my Facebook, where you will see that a total stranger accessed and groomed kids. It doesn't always end in sex trafficking. Sometimes it does. Other times it ends in sextortion, which is blackmail with a photo. Sex and extortion, sextortion. Sometimes it ends in child pornography. So I started looking at this. Let me tell you a couple of cases of this. One of them, I was on uh, NBC, and uh, I've been on TV a lot lately, and I don't know why God wanted to wait till I'm 70 years old to put me on TV. He has a very cruel sense of humor. But on we go. This was a guy in Nuevo, up by Paris. He had read my book, and he had heard my talk. And he's a real cowboy, this dad. I love this dad. He's wonderful. But he had a 12-year-old daughter, and he started reading the book, and he realized she was on Kick and Omegle, and he had never even heard of these before we started talking. Anyway, so he began to extract it from his daughter, and that night at 2 in the morning, she decided that she was going to sneak out her bedroom window and meet up with her newfound love on Kick. He was a 16-year-old kid from San Diego. And so at 2 in the morning, Dad heard the window shut. And he panicked. He jumped up. He ran down the hall. And he, sure enough, she was gone. So he grabbed his robe. He got in the car. And it's very dark in Nuevo at night. There's no street lights. It's kind of country out there. But he sees his daughter getting in the car with a total stranger at 2 in the morning. And so he raced his car down there, slammed on the brakes, opened the car door, pulled the driver out, and just smacked him out cold. And this guy was laying there on the pavement, and so he took a picture of it, and then he called NBC and said, call Miss Singleton, we're going to do a TV show on this. And so, and then it ended up on Fox News, but I was cut out of the big time, so there went my big break. Anyway, but think about this. His 12-year-old daughter had one leg in the car. He wasn't 16. He was 27 and a registered sex offender. And her life would have changed just like that if he had not been all over this deal. What happened? Accessed and groomed and beginning to be recruited. Maybe not child sex trafficking, but certainly child exploitation in that case. So I'd like to show this picture to the girls because, you see, this is exactly how grooming works. You get a text or a tweet or an, a kick instant message, and you just think it's really cool, and you're thinking you're talking to this guy, and you're having a lot of fun with him. But what you really find out is, it's this guy. And I think we can all agree this guy's ugly, okay? I say that all the time. The girl, I can't imagine a 14-year-old girl who goes, hey, baby, you're hot, really, <laughs> honestly. But look at this guy. He has 300 victims. 300 on Kick, Skype, Omegle, Uvu, and Facebook. How does anybody that ugly get any victim? He doesn't look like that. He looks like this. And he sounds like that. And then he begins to groom her. And she falls in love with a fantasy. And it becomes her obsession. And he begins to manipulate. 
So here is our biggest case. I was talking to some people about this earlier there because this case came back. It came to us because I trained uh, 744 kids in one day at Riverside Convention Center. And when I was all through, two girls came up. This tells you it's worth it to talk to young people in schools. Two girls came up and showed me their phone, and they said, we thought we were just having fun. We had no idea. And they gave me their phones for a bit so I could get a hold of the, the task force and download the data and then give them back. But this was the beginning of a case that involved more than 160 young people in Riverside County. What happened is this man right here pretended to be a girl. This wasn't anything sophisticated. This wasn't one of those, you know, a Tinder or Tango or Uvu or anything. It was Facebook. He created a Facebook page with a girl's picture. I don't even know if he knew the girl. And this girl would talk about how cool it was to be a prostitute and all the money that she had made. She'd just bought a new car. She'd go to Vegas. She had all new clothes. Stuff was like really, really cool. And more than 160 kids contacted her about how do I do this? We believe more than 200, but he's been in jail for several months now and we had to get it to court. So we stopped at the 160. We have enough legal evidence for 120 victims and 61 charges. If we win, he will get life in prison. There's some very long sentences for this. But what would happen is these girls would contact the other girl and say, show me how to do this because she's making all this money. And so the girl would say to them, look, I'll set you up with it, with our best customer. He's great in bed. You'll have a great time. You know, uh, you'll make uh, some money and, and uh, he tips well. You'll have a good time. It's just sex. Let's try you out and see if you're this material. Remember, the girl doesn't exist. The date that they set him up with was the guy pretending to be the girl. 120 girls had sex with him trying out to be a prostitute. 17 of them were forced into serious prostitution. After he had sex with them, he would set them down and say, let me show you the film that we just made. You are ruined. You are damaged goods. And you will do this because you are, in fact, now an official prostitute. 120 kids right in our county off of Facebook. This has just happened in the last two months. This has just been announced. I just found out it was one of my leads that did it. I, didn't, I often don't know. I take leads all day long, and I don't know what happens to them. But this guy right here, there never was a girl. So that is how it happens. Now let me share with you this concept, because I believe this is at the heart and the soul of the, of the real matter. This is based on a story that happened a year ago last May. I had trained at Los Angeles Office of Education. One lady there was really powerful in that organization, and she had an 18-year-old daughter. Now, there wasn't a father in the life, but mom and, dad are, mom and daughter are very close. The girl is a straight-A student. She has a, a scholarship going to college. This doesn't always just happen to street kids. This happens to very smart kids. And what had happened here is mom heard my talk, and she decided she was going to go home and sit down and talk to her daughter. She did this on a Friday night. When she began to talk to her daughter, her daughter began to cry, and she went to her bedroom, and she came back with a passport and an airline ticket to Ireland. 
Now, mom knew that she played Xbox with this 28-year-old guy in Ireland, but it was like a pen pal. I mean, it's halfway around the world. How bad can this be? And that is part of the fantasy. Now, this very smart girl was groomed by this guy without realizing it. And literally, in the nine months, he got her to quit her job. She quit school six weeks from graduating with a scholarship. Behind mom's back, she arranged to get a passport, and she raised almost $2,000 for a ticket to Ireland. So how do you know that, how do you think I knew it was a predator? What do you think? What do you think? Any of you young people? How do you think I knew it was a predator? That it wasn't real? How about the fact that he didn't respect her? Here she's about to graduate in six weeks with a scholarship. And if he really loved her, wouldn't he say, hey, baby, I'll wait. It's only six weeks. I want what's good for you. I want you to have your dream. I'm here to support you. He didn't care what happened to her. He wanted her to go right now and not tell mom. That's the other way I knew. I always say, if it has to be done in secret, you're in trouble. Because if you can't be proud of who you are and what you're doing, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And those are the two factors that I knew immediately. So mom says to me, what do I do? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm a genius. <laughs> you know? How do we fix this? I was at the Sacramento airport and this lady was giving me this story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what do we do here? And I got to thinking about it. And I told her, I said, I want you to try this out. I want you to say to your daughter, you know what? If you love this guy, I'm going to love him. And if, he th and if you think he's wonderful, our whole family is going to think he's wonderful. So let's do this. Let's cash in your airline ticket, and we'll use that money to buy him an airline ticket, and we'll fly him over here so he can be part of our whole family. Now tell me everything you know about him. Why did I do this? She's in a fantasy relationship. First of all, I wanted mom to remember, I still believe in you. Maybe your judgment's a little clouded right now, but I still believe in you. Remember, I believe in you. That's what she's seeking is somebody to believe in her, and she thinks she's found him in this guy in Ireland. So I wanted mom to be able to say to her, I still believe in you. Let me help you work through it. And why did I say, you know, tell me everything you know about him? Because we need to help her work through her fantasy. You see, she had created a fantasy. And this means that she's obsessed with her own creation. And everyone in this room is exactly like that. I can guarantee you. What a predator does is they give you about four or five little statements and you make up the rest. They're not telling you all that much, so you're making up your own little fantasy. Why is that important to understand that, especially as a parent? It is your obsession. It is yours. It's mine. You're not taking it from me. And so that is how a predator will work. In my book, I have all these questions that I suggest that you sit down and say, okay, let's fly him over here. Now tell me everything you know about him. Why? Because what will happen here is, let's say that Les and I knew each other for nine months. You know some stuff about me. 
Have I been married six times? Do I have 15 little stepkids who want money? Am I living in my mom's basement? Do I have an ankle bracelet like I'm on parole? I mean, we're going to know some stuff about each other. But in a nine-month relationship with this guy, she couldn't tell five things that she knew about him. So you have to help her walk her way through that obsession. Now, let me put this on an adult level here. Because I can tell you that it happens all the time to adults, too. There's a, there's a game out called Second Life. These people meet total strangers even though they're married, and they pay $5,000 for a wedding and having a virtual baby on there. This gets crazy. But I read Ann Landers, and you'll hear, my husband has a girlfriend. And he says he doesn't have a girlfriend, but he spends four hours a night with her on the Internet. He never talks to me. He doesn't take me out anymore. He's always with his girlfriend. I can tell you what the girl looks like, even though I haven't met her. She weighs 110 pounds. She loves to cook. She hates to shop. And she wants sex six times a day. I already know this girl. Because it's going on in his mind. You make up what you want. And that is exactly how predators work with our young people. And by the way, they'll work that way with adults if you let them. Okay, I want to talk about some apps here. One of the biggest apps that scares me to death is Kick. In fact, I've had three new articles in the last 24 hours about Kick and how dangerous it is. I've been working with Kick for two and a half years now. It has 250 million users. I used, uh, or I got to do a written survey at a local high school in Riverside. Out of 150 kids, 80% were on Kick. 80% had received a message from a stranger. That's what Kick is all about, hooking up with total strangers. 50% replied to that stranger, and three went out and met up with a total stranger. It is absolutely devastating. This beautiful young lady right here, which you won't see her face because she's a victim, is a case that really was hard on my life, but not as hard as on her family's life. She is a beautiful young lady, and she's very smart. Her family's somewhat poor. They had never had a computer, and Dad bought her a smartphone. I sat with her dad more than once, and she said, he said, in the back seat of my car, in my living room, my beautiful young daughter went on kick and met this creep. And she said, I was, he said, I was her dad. I was supposed to protect her. And right before my eyes, because I wasn't informed, this happened. What happened here is his young daughter met a guy named Aubrey. She got mad at mom and dad, as happens when you're 14. And they took her to school one morning, and she went in one door and right out the other. She went to the Inland Center Mall in San Bernardino, and she met Aubrey. Aubrey was a pimp for the, for the Crips over in Compton. He took her to Compton and sold her into the gangs as a sex slave. 6 a.m. to midnight. All day long, when you come in, they hold you down and run a train on you. You can die from hemorrhaging. It is one of the worst things that can ever happen to a human being, especially a beautiful 14-year-old girl. I spent night after night after night on back page trying to find her. I went all the way to Washington, up and down the coast, trying to find her. I didn't get to find her, but she was found being sold on back page. Her life will never be the same or the life of her family. They need their church to come around and help them and help, help her 
with all that exploitation and all that trauma. She needs informed trauma care. You cannot just go on with your life. You need to get into serious, serious counseling. But that happened because a beautiful young lady made one bad decision. There's nothing wrong with that girl. She did everything that any 14-year-old girl would do when they fall in love, except she should not have gone out to meet him. And what was happening there was dad was uninformed, and so there was no dialogue about how all this could happen. Now the whole family is in therapy. Here's some things we learned about Kick. Kick's uh, headquarters is in Ontario, Canada. They wouldn't reply to the subpoenas in the San Bernardino Sheriff Department. Now they're getting better at it because they've lost so many kids across America. But one of the things you should know when you pick a app for your child is where's the server? WeChat is located in Hong Kong. We couldn't find out who Aubrey was because they didn't reply to the subpoena. So that's an important question that I never would have asked before that case. We learn with every one of these cases. But kick is especially serious. Now, you can be on kick and only talk to your friends, but what good is that? That's like going down to Baskin Robbins and only getting the cone. Because the reason that you're on kick is you want to meet all these other people. Everybody's doing it. But the minute you open that door to total strangers, and quite frankly, predators and pornographers, pedophiles, comb through all the photos on kick. And if there's a naked photo of one person sending it to another, they will intercept it and put it on large-scale child porn rings. We know that because we've seen them ourselves. I worry about Kick myself because it is the biggest app. If you look on my Facebook, you'll probably see a couple of articles. One today, a girl met up with a guy and he killed her. But this is a scary, scary app, and it is the one the kids love the most. Okay, I want to talk about Omegle because this is the foundation to a new technology that is coming out. Now, I'm going to show you something that is absolutely ridiculous here and just silliness, but I want you to understand the technology. It took us two hours to get all the F words out of this, to let you know, uh, so that we could show you a 45-second clip. <laughs> And uh, you may want to go on Omegle, uh, go on YouTube tonight and plug in o Omegle. You need to brace yourself if you're tender. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it if you have children in the household. You want to keep the sound down because they have a very limited vocabulary, and they have some of them have a single-digit IQ. But here's the technology. The Internet's become very wide, very fast, and a big bandwidth, so now our kids can do video chat rooms, and then we're going to talk about live streaming, which is the extension of video chat rooms. But this was the beginning. Remember our ugly guy? He found people in Omegle. Well, what happens in Omegle? Their logo is talk to strangers. And you literally are looking up. While mom and dad is off at the grocery store, our kids are on their webcam talking to total strangers by the millions, by the way. This is not a a small uh, thing that's happening. So these cute little girls signed up and they got their next available random stranger. They got that lovely Christian fellow there. And so you don't know who you're going to meet. And so I'm going to show you a deal where some guy's hanging himself. Nobody gets hurt. It's a trick. All the kids laugh. The parents panic. But it's a, it's a gag. It's a um, prank. 
But I want you to see how young these kids are that are meeting up with total strangers, obviously in the bedroom of their own home somewhere, and see how dangerous this is. In the end, I want you to see how the last girls are dressed because these girls didn't know who they're going to meet. Are we ready? Oh, there's no sound. We need some. Hold on a minute. Ready? Here we go. This is the hangman on a megal. This is a prank. Stop, no, turn it off, turn it off, I'm gonna be your pants. The pee your pants, boy! No, no, no don't, don't mind me, I'm dead. Are you alright? Wait, wait, I'm being serious, are you alright? Oh my god. I don't want to do Life isn't worth ending after all. Oh. This is the beauty of life. I don't need to hang myself. Oh, dance. Woo! Yeah! So that is how our kids are entertaining themselves these days with video chat rooms. If you go onto YouTube and put in Omegle, you'll see literally hundreds of these. But you see the danger? Those girls didn't know who they're going to meet. Absolutely didn't know. Do you see how young that boy is? Where is mom and dad as this is taking place? Here's another one right here. Look how young this girl is as she's doing the stalker prank. Remember, she doesn't know what she's going to get. You get all kinds of craziness when you sign up for this. So I want to talk a minute about a, a concept called camming. I'm kind of taking you through technology if you're wondering. But there is a huge trend now for young people moving into making their own pornography and selling it at school with their bitcoins. And what we're talking about here is cyber currency is changing. Bitcoins is the money that they use in most games other than World of Warcraft, which uses wild gold. But kids are sitting in their own bedroom making their pornography. It's an $80 billion business now. And then their boyfriend is selling it on the playground on the school campus. And the kid next door is buying it with his Grand Theft Auto account. And so it has become very big business. Now, this is the next technology, and I'm very excited about this technology, but I'm also terrified for our children if we don't understand how to protect them to do it. I'm excited because this will replace Facebook. This is called live streaming. You basically take this little cell phone and you record yourself and you can send it out around the world and people all, it's Facebook on steroids is how I call it. You can send it out the world and literally tens of thousands of people go, oh, I want to follow that. In fact, there's a pastor on this that has 16 million followers already or 12 million followers. And I could see myself using it to educate the entire world about what is happening here. So it's going to have some good uses. In a year, this idea of posting a photo on Facebook and sending it out only to your friends will go away because our kids are going to go, oh, I got 30,000 followers. I got 50,000 followers. Well, I'm sure they're all lovely Christian people who only want the best for your daughter, you know, if you think about it. So it can be dangerous, but it will be the way of the future for businesses to reach out across the world and get new business. So again, technology isn't bad or good. It's how we educate our young people to use it.
This little guy down here is called Meerkat. He was the beginning, now Periscope. Just this week, Facebook introduced Facebook live streaming. And so they probably will overtake Periscope at some point. So I want to take a minute and talk about child pornography because I want to kind of paint a picture for you of how all of this comes together. So I talk about child pornography for a couple reasons. One is I want young boys to understand this is how young boys get exploited. But I also want you to understand how uh, our world is fast changing. Child, I started studying child pornography because of the fact that we were seeing five cases for every sex trafficking case. Remember, I look at these cases every day. By the way, I'm going to do a side trip here. So I spent the whole week at Super Bowl working with the FBI behind the scenes. I spent the entire week working my way through sites like Backpage and Facebook or Backpage and uh, uh, my red book, uh, my scarlet book now, and uh, Sipsap and a lot of sites like this, and we began to track them. We discovered three child pornography rings. And, you know, I don't look at pornography myself. I don't believe it's a healthy thing to do. But there is a time when you have to interfere if you see child pornography. And these uh, sites, these prostitution sites, led us uh, to three child pornography rings. They were vile beyond belief. And we got them immediately off to ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children. But they're able to run these sites in something called the dark web. So the reason that I share, especially with teenagers, is because people, one of the best ways that predators will recruit you is they want your naked photo. And if they can lure you in to sending a naked photo, even one, you're trapped. And so I teach kids, don't be sending that out. And if your boyfriend wants a naked photo, remember, or your girlfriend, remember how we said nothing on the Internet is private? Remember how we said that? Because it can go around the world in less than a week once you send that out there. On top of it, there is technology now called photo DNA. And what is happening is every email you all send out is being scanned for the algorithm of a naked child. If they see that, it goes sent back, it gets sent back, excuse me, to NECMEC, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, called NECMEC. And they pay banks of people to look at this. So if it's a selfie done by a teenager, it goes in a photo album at the FBI, and you'll never get it back. But it's also possible that that selfie's been intercepted and gone out on a large-scale child porn ring. But what is fascinating is since they started this technology developed by Microsoft, they have intercepted 144 million images of naked and exploited children. Is that just mind-boggling? And they haven't been doing it all that long. It's new technology. But what's even crazier is 32 million of those naked photos are selfies that teenagers are sending to somebody else. They take a naked photo, send it out there, and it gets intercepted. So if you think of the Internet as a bucket of water, the top 75% of that bucket of water is where you and I live. Google, Bing, Chrome, all of those. The bottom 25% is where the bad guys live. That's called the dark web. I was uh, invited to be a guest commentator on MSNBC for the Jared Fogel case, the guy who lost 200 pounds on the subway. 
And uh, finally, in my old age, I'm a child porn expert. I'm like, this is really a strange place to find myself. But I'm on MSNBC because Jared Fogel was one sick puppy. His partner was even sicker. But here's what's fascinating on these 144. He's living in the dark web. I started a study of child pornography. 85% of child pornographers are Caucasian males. 40% of them are connected to schools. Interesting, isn't it? School superintendents, school teachers, school counselors, school uh, janitors. And Jared Fogel ran a nonprofit that placed him on the school ground to train about childhood obesity. And in fact, that's one of the ways he was caught, was he was on that playground saying, wow, this 14-year-old, she's really hot. And somebody realized there's something sick about that and turned him in. In the meantime, his partner was Russell Taylor. And he was one sick puppy. He went to Thailand to have sex. But what was even sicker was he played, he took a clock at his home and he took the insides out and placed a camera in it and placed it in his 11 year old daughter's bathroom so that when her girlfriends came over and spent the night and changed their clothes, it was filmed and put out on large scale child porn rings. So child pornography is changing a lot because there are now forming large-scale child porn rings. I read recently where there are, they say they're about to announce a child porn ring with 215,000 users. These are people that are living in that bottom 25% in that dark web. And this guy right here ran the largest child porn ring in the world. It had 27,000 users. He's 27 years old. He's from Albieta, Louisiana. 85% of his victims are boys in here. And so how does this happen? Well, let me show you. Suppose you're 12, 13 years old and you're playing World of Warcraft. And you're in there and you're shooting it up and you're having a great time and they add a little sex on there and you're talking to your team and your points are going up and things are good and this cute little thing comes into your life. And you say to yourself, wow, how cool is that? A girl who plays World of Warcraft, and she thinks I'm good. She thinks I'm hot. You get all excited. And pretty soon she sends you her naked photo, or at least the naked photo of somebody. And you go, oh, baby, and she wants one back. And so you shoot yourself in all your naked glory, and you send it off to her, right? Only it's really him. It's a true story. And so he takes this and he puts it on this child porn ring. And all of a sudden, your 13-year-old son has several hundred people who think he might be gay. And they think they might be in love with him. And some think they want to come over. And some think they know where he lives. And some think that video ought to go out on the school Facebook page or on, this, on his personal Facebook or to his family or to the football players. And somewhat money... And some want to come over right now. Remember shame-based behavior? With guys, it's a little different than a girl. Instead of everything being a blow-up, you just shut down. You can't talk. You are terrified inside. You can't sleep. You go to school. You can't stay. You come home. You begin to run away. You come back. You run away. And some of them think of suicide. And it all happened because they thought they were in love with this deal. 
right here. And that is how it is happening to our young men over and over and over. And all you have to do is go on my Facebook site and you will see the number of cases. So here is another one right here. This one's from January. He lured in over 300. Actually, there were over 1,600 that were lured to the website. But 300 of them were exploited with blackmail, sex, extortion. So it isn't that old. So before I go to gaming... I want to talk about technology. I haven't had time to make a slide for this because I got home very late last night. But some things have happened that God has laid on my heart in the last 10 days. And uh, it's just mind-boggling, the world I live in. And I I can kind of get a vision of where God wants me to take this. And he's opened some of the doors. I, I only see a few doors right now, but I can see him working, opening more doors. But let me explain to you some technology changes that are heavy on my heart. Facebook in the last 10 days has announced that they are opening a legitimate site in the dark web. You live in that top 75%. They're opening up a site in that bottom 25%. Facebook has opened up live streaming like we talked about. where You can blast out a video and it'll go to tens of thousands of people who then can reach back to you. Facebook has opened up money transfer. It's called cyber currency. And it's a big, big deal. Because up until now, our kids have played video games with bitcoins. They go in, they buy an avatar, they buy some equipment, and you use a credit card to do that. But bitcoins are anonymous. And so is Facebook money messenger, money transfer system. iPhone now has money transfer it's totally anonymous. And working with the pimps and prostitute uh, undercover, trying to track it, they are buying all their ads now on bitcoins. So even if we could get a subpoena as the sheriff department, we can't track it because it's anonymous. So how do we make a case if we can't follow the money? But now we have Facebook, and now they've got dark web going out to tens of thousands, and we have something called... Uh, cyber currency that's not trackable. And I'm going to skip ahead a minute here. And just this month, they announced vir- virtual reality pornography. This is heavy on my heart as I see where we're going to be in 15, 18 months from now. It'll, it'll take a little bit, but we're on our way. Virtual reality pornography is uh, a kind of a new concept. Who uses virtual reality? Game makers right? All those games are based on animated reality, virtual reality. I did a review, I read a review this week, or maybe last week, of a man who was at the Consumer Electronics Show. He doesn't live in my world. This was just a man who tried it out. And he said he's been married 30 years, so they had a normal relationship with his wife. He's never cheated. And he went in to the booth at Consumer Electronics and tried out virtual reality pornography. He said within five minutes, his life will never be the same. He was in a threesome that was so vivid, he can't get it out of his brain. And he said he doesn't know how long really he was in there, just a short time. But it changed everything that he sees. And he came out and wrote a review about it. If we start doing two things here, Start putting virtual reality, pornography, and video gaming. 
our children, and by the way, I just testified to this at the, at the Blue Ribbon Commission for the State of California as they talked about how do we deal with the Johns. And I said, who's dealing with the Johns that are going to be here in 15 to 18 months? Because these kids that are playing these games right now are 15 and 18 years old, 15 and 16 years old. And another couple of years when they have a steady diet of four hours a night of virtual reality pornography, their lives are going to be different. And that means my life is going to be different and your life is going to be different because they're going to be acting out. On top of it, I think about Facebook and, and I think about the impact of going in the dark web and offering it out to tens of thousands. That pastor has already 12, 12 million followers. You start making child pornography or virtual pornography and sending it out to tens and twelves and 50,000 and, and a million people and letting them come into the dark web and using their bitcoins to buy this, the addiction rate and the exploitation rate of, of children because child pornography is changing and it is just very vile and it's going very big around the world. As you know, some people are on a move to say that pedophilia should be incorporated as same as homosexuality and not even be considered off the wall. And I, and I say, dear Lord, the devil's at work here. And I start to see these changes coming on and my heart is heavy on this because I believe in the next 18 to 24 months, our world is going to change dramatically. Now, I haven't finished on, on uh, gaming. I'm going to go back, but I just feel God talking to me here. We need Christian leadership. We need strong male Christian leadership. We need to go to prayer. We need to examine how to create strong moral leaders in our young people. We need to come out of the shadows and say, this is happening now. And we, we, the church, must find a way to address this and begin to go out and take a look at this, that we know who we are and what we stand for, and that we stand against evil, whether it's adult or child, and that we take this problem on. And the way that we do that is educate and prepare ourselves. So I'm going to go back to gaming because this is the final. But I want people to understand gaming. Our young people are being trained about gaming in schools, and there is nothing wrong with some games. It teaches hand-eye coordination. It teaches strategy. It teaches quick decision-making. There's a lot of good if it's a healthy game set up in a healthy environment. You know, we don't have to go into the bad part of life to teach our kids good strategy. But what has happened in gaming, I want you to understand how gaming is different than going to a movie. Let's say you take your child to a violent movie and it's got some sex in it and you all go home and you might even see it twice and you talk about it and go, wow, that was pretty bad and it's over. A video game is a lot different. A child creates an avatar and you live vicariously through that avatar. You win and you lose based on that score and there's a constant score. By the way, this is why kids get addicted to video gaming. Why? Because that score is constantly going up there and people are keeping track and whether they're going to accept or reject them. The person is living through an avatar and their whole acceptance and rejection is based on that score. Then we put them into a world of violence. Not all games are violent. But black, I couldn't believe it last night on the way home from uh, uh, San Jose, I stopped at a Wendy's, Wendy's, no, Carl's Jr. I hate going in that place, but I was hungry and it was the only place left. They were wearing these caps for Black Ops and uh, Call of Duty. 
And, uh, you know, I know of a girl who disappeared. They bought, he, he was a school counselor. He bought his 14-year-old daughter a game of black ops. She went on and met this guy and disappeared, and they've never seen her since. And I'm looking at this going, now we're promoting this at Carl's Jr. Of course, they promote a lot of things that I don't agree with. But think about this a minute. Isn't it interesting when we went into uh, animated worlds, we went into virtual reality worlds, that we chose the occult and sorcery? Don't you find that interesting? I mean, can you imagine, you know, I, the, the Bible verse, I don't even know if it's a Bible verse, but somewhere the phrase came to me that we laid our children on the altar of other gods. And I found that interesting that I'm looking at this and I'm saying, we're taking our children and we're putting them in a world of occult and we are adding animated sex. That's because we haven't got to virtual reality sex yet, but we will shortly. I had a cute little 13-year-old kid, a Harupa High, come up to me. He was the cutest kid. And he goes, oh, Miss, I, by the way, I picked this because it's on your TV. So I figure I can get away with it in a church. But he comes up to me and he goes, oh, Miss Singleton. He says, this is really raunchy. And I said, really raunchy? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's really raunchy. I said, you play this game. Oh, yeah, every night, he says. And I said, well, you think you're getting addicted? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, well, are you giving that up? And he goes, oh, probably not. I said, you're addicted. But he goes, it's really raunchy, you know. I mean, the kid knew he's in trouble. And the reason I started looking at this is because my youth ministers were telling me how addicted their girls and guys that are 12, 13, 14 years old are getting to pornography. And you're going, where are they getting all this? Well, hello. You do this two hours a night in a world of violence and sex, and it gets crazier because you're building a score, and then we open the door to a chat room, and you need the approval of total strangers that you're talking to. Can you see where this is an incubator for grooming? You're in there two, three, four hours a night. You're running up that score. You maybe aren't winning. So you use your Bitcoins. You buy some more equipment because you need their approval. They're talking to you. And this is how people begin to groom our kids. And these video games have chat rooms. And those chat rooms have sub chat rooms. And some of those sub chat rooms are very vile. Some of them are bestiality. Some are S&M. And some are ISIS. And that is how Chris Cornell became groomed. So we have, we mix all this together and let me show you the result. This is a game of uh, Minecraft. Now I'm going to tell you there are Minecraft games that are okay that do not have chat rooms. They're a little violent, but they don't have chat rooms. And so if you're going to buy your child a game, make sure it doesn't have a chat room. Because think about this, your 12, 13, 14 year old child, they're still forming that upper lobe there. In fact, in many cases, they're not going to develop for another two, three years. And so then on top of it, they're hormonal. And so we're going to open the door to all these strangers to talk to them in that condition while they're competing for approval. It's just a crazy world. And what happens is if your kid's going to go play soccer, you're going to go watch. But you'll walk right past that kid playing a video game and you feel this veil of separation because you don't know what's happening. I tell men, especially grandpas, sit with that child and say to them, show me your avatar. What's their name? Get involved. It's okay. You don't know what's going on. Get the kid to teach you. What's their name? You know, how do you get that? What's that tattoo stand for? How do you get that equipment? You know, how did you get all those points? 
Hey, who are you talking to? Where do they live? What do you know about them? Can I talk to them? You know, if your kid was playing soccer, you'd get involved, right? But because it's electronic, it's like a babysitter. You walk right on past that. We must remove that veil. Here's a case where they bought her 12-year-old daughter a game of Minecraft that had a chat room. Now, why it took a year and a half to figure this out, I'm not sure about this family. But what happened is that that for a year and a half, this young lady, 12 years old, met this lovely Christian fellow, and they said they fell in love. That's what he said. He's 25, she's 12. For a year and a half, they exchanged hardcore pornographic images before mom discovered it. Now, I want you to think about this scenario. First of all, what's going to happen to that girl when she discovers it? Give me that. What are you doing? What are you, what, I, what are you doing? I told you not to do that. You're grounded. Her first sexual experience is punishment, is negative. For a year and a half, she's been groomed by a predator, by a pedophile. And if mom doesn't stop and get them both counseling, because who gave her that game? How come it took a year and a half to figure this out? Where are you? And, and you will probably even have something between the husband and wife. What do you do? I told you not to buy that. Well, she wanted it. Everybody else has it. And there's enough blame to go around. But this girl is going to be in shame-based behavior because instead of being excited about holding the hand of the 13-year-old down the street, she is now been groomed by a 25-year-old pedophile in the most hardcore way. I say to myself, why don't we just give our kid a bottle of vodka and say carry it around for a couple of years and don't open it? Because the minute you give a kid a game with a chat room and you're not going to engage with that child, you're handing them a grenade. And telling them not to pull the pin. And this is where it went wrong. So here's where I wrote my book. And this is the last. This is how the kid made me mad. I don't know how many of you know about Grand Theft Auto. But they have never been a beacon of morality. I know that. They've always had prostitutes. They've always killed cops. But this year's model has first-person experience software. It's very vivid. I'm sure next year they'll have virtual reality software going on in their pornography. So in this year's model, what happens is, is that you have sex with a prostitute. This is not a minor thing. You pay real money on your Bitcoin account. 20 bucks for this, 50 bucks for that, 70 bucks for this. You'll have to ask your kids what they are. All the, most all the kids know what they are. Anyway, so you pay real money to have first-person experience with this child or with this prostitute, and then you kill her so you can get your money back. And all the kids know that. So I was at Pomona High last year, and, uh, and, and I had no idea I was going to go home and write a book on this experience. But I, I was my last presentation of the year. I'd done 242 presentations, and I'd done six that day, and it was my sixth one, and I'm tired. I don't ever want to use the word human trafficking again. I'm going home and have Christmas. And it was December 17th. And this kid made me mad. God works in strange ways. So I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto. So this kid on the front row is all proud of his GTA score, GTA 5 it's called. So I said, so you did the deal? And he said, you mean the thing with the prostitute? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, wait a minute here. You just told me you paid real money to have virtual sex 
in a first-person experience with this prostitute, and you killed her, right? Don't you feel bad about that? Why? It's a game. It's what you got to do to win, he says. I went home and wrote a book. And my husband would say, it's Christmas. I I don't care, you know, because we have to understand this across our nation. I said that at the police department a while back. I said, did you kill the cop? Oh, yeah, backed up twice, got him. I'm like, you're in the police station. There's two cops behind you. It's just a game. It's what you have to do to win, they say. So I trained 450 kids at Norta Vista High. And the board of trustees was watching this. I was having too much fun. Anyway, so I said, how many have had GTA? 375 of them. I said, how many had sex with a prostitute? You know, 300 of them. I said, who had the $20? Who had the $50? Who had the $70? Okay, you're the high rollers, I say. Okay, how many of you killed her? About 200. So I said, okay, now I want to know how many of you feel bad about it. Two out of 200. Here's an interesting concept. They all believe that killing on the Internet is not killing. And they believe that sex on the Internet is not really sex. And what's fascinating is I go from church to church, and every now and then a church will allow me to take a survey of their young people. And, in fact, it was a Calvary Chapel that I did this, a large-scale Calvary Chapel up in my area, wonderful people. And they allowed me to, to interview 26 of their kids. Out of 26 of their kids, one-fourth of them told me that sin on the Internet is not sin. Isn't that interesting? What they're telling you, sex isn't sex and killing isn't killing and sin on the Internet is not sin because it's not real. They want you to believe that what they do on the Internet has no consequences, that the decisions they make have no consequences because it's not real. And I am going to tell you, that is how you get 32 million naked photos on the Internet of young kids taking selfies. Because they're in there playing that game and having a good time. And somebody says, hey, shoot this off to me. And you take that photo and you send it off because it's just a game. But the consequences of that decision become very, very real in a hurry. And I think this is one of the most important concepts that we need to think out. Because we do need this dialogue with our young people that what you do on the Internet is, in fact, real. Here is a hotline. I can, you also get my business card if you want. But here is a hotline. I can give that to you later if you know of anybody that is being violated and you have my business card. So this is the close. I never close without sharing this with you. Actually, I just realized this, this story came from Calvary Chapel, Murrieta. I, it's, it was almost six years ago. And it is a story that literally sent me down this path. Now, I was already a long ways down this path. But it is this man who changed my life. And you never know what you're going to do that will change somebody else's life. And this man changed mine. The sad part is he doesn't know it because I didn't get his name. I didn't understand the impact at the moment that it happened. But this man came up to me about six years ago after I talked at Calvary Chapel Murrieta. And he said to me, he said, he's, he was about 50 and just a nice guy. And he said to me, you know, my daughter is a prostitute. And he said, I know that. And he said, she's been gone three years. And I have looked everywhere for her and I cannot find her. 
This is, by the way, why I work with families. There's a lot of talk about the victims. There's not enough talk about the anguish of a family that's missing their child. He told me, he said, I've looked everywhere for her. He told me, he said, I'm a truck driver. And those girls, he said, I pull into a truck stop. Those girls come and knock on that window. He said, I look at every face because I'm looking for my daughter, but I don't want it to be her. And I will never forget his last statement. He said, you know what? I don't care what she's done. I don't care where she's been. I would give everything I own if she would just come home to me. And that really brought home to me the need for grace. And I look around these churches and I think, you know, we are the solution. You know, if the church isn't the answer, if God's people isn't the answer to this, there is no answer. Because you're the people that understand grace. You're the people that understand salvation. You're the people that have that key that unlocks that damaged goods box. That's how they get them. They take that photo. They get a photo on the internet. They'll violate them and take a photo. They will break them, and then they will make them believe that they are so ruined that they can't come home to us. And we need to reach out now and let these kids know that no matter what, no matter how bad it gets, you never reach a point where you can't come home. God will forgive you. We will forgive you. Salvation's open to the whole community. If they can't get that message from us, I'm not sure where they're going to get it. And I believe that this is going to escalate where regular kids who normally would never get brought into this are going to find themselves struggling with that evil that's presented to them. And so we have to start right now, I think, in taking this on, taking a look at parenting, taking a look at young people, taking a look at technology, reaching out and helping our families and each other to understand what it means to be a chosen child of God. Thank you. Uh, there are any questions before we, the food's on its way. They just call me. It should be here any moment, but yes, ma'am. You want to be very careful, especially with the seven-year-old. You don't, you don't want sex to be a negative. It needs to be a positive. And I believe the dialogue starts with, you are a chosen child of God. And, you know, I would not be afraid to talk about sex. It, I'm, they're going to hear it, trust me. It's starting much younger. You know, I go into eighth-grade classes, and they can write this for me. Now, seventh grade's a little bit uh, younger on there, but... I believe that it's important that you start this dialogue to say, you know, there's some bad guys out there, and I'd handle your 11-year-old different than your 7-year-old. You know, the average age for entering prostitution in our community is just under 13. So I think that parents, and, and it depends on how you've raised them. I can tell you probably spent a lot of time and being very close to them. But don't be afraid of the dialogue. And I, and I would say, you know, I don't know all this technology, 
But before you get any technology, first of all, the 11-year-old, I'd say you're not getting any until you're a little bit older. But, I, you know, I'm not just, a, I'm not going to just say no, no, no. By the way, I never have a problem saying no. You own that phone and you look right at them when the time comes. If you see your kid standing on a, on a train track and there's a moving train, you push your kid out of the way. And, and as a parent, you own that phone and you should say no. However, what I would say to your child is, I want you to be a leader. This technology is all new. You know, you're the first generation uh, that, that is going to be doing this. And just as I want you to be a Christian leader, I want you to be a leader in technology and how to use it. So you and I, I want to learn it together. And you can go on my Facebook page and you can look at some of those stories and say, wow, look at what this guy did to this girl. And, you know, she was probably a great kid and she just kind of got sucked in here, you know, and she believed what they had to say. I wouldn't want that to happen to you. You know, you don't have to traumatize them to do that. Now, this talk that I've given you is generally for adults, and so I tell it like it is. But, you know, you need to be able to sit down and have that dialogue and say, teach me this stuff together. Because, I mean, I spend 70 hours a week in, when I'm not, when I'm not uh, teaching and supporting the sheriff. I'm educating myself on this, and it, it is fast-changing. So as a parent, I think it's all about developing that trust and that dialogue between them. You know, I think back to that girl who bought the, the, the uh, Ireland tri uh, ticket. You know, her and her mom had a great relationship, but he had still groomed her to do this behind her back. But when mom sat down with her, she said, you're right, you know, and she realized that what she was doing was wrong. And, you know, and, and I've seen families who would, she'd throw a temper tantrum, march out, and you won't see her again because they hadn't built that camaraderie. And I think that's everything. Build the trust between them. By the way, that survey I did at Calvary Chapel, one of the questions I said is, um, do you believe that your parents have a right to know everything you do on the Internet? And 100% of them said, Yes, I do. And then I said, why? And most of them said, because I want them to trust me. But one of them said, because I trust my parents. Don't you like that? Yeah, I like that answer. But that, that is part of it, you know, building that relationship because there is so much outside influence. By the way, I didn't mention this, but my book is 16 bucks and I have some here for me and I take hot checks or cash or anything else. Yes. Yes, that's true. Uh, there's two things, and this is going to become more and more so. Normally what we would tell you is to teach people to disable your GPS before you take a photo in your home, like in your bedroom or your house or something, because predators, if you don't disable the GPS and you post that on Facebook, they can track back to where it is. But quite frankly, with this new Periscope and the new Facebook, all of that is geo-tracked. In fact, I, I didn't tell you this story, but we tested out Periscope one time. 
uh, it's been about four or five weeks ago, a girl friend of mine down in Austin, Texas, was looking for somebody in Riverside that was on Periscope. They found a 14-year-old girl who was giving a tour of her parents' house when she w- they weren't home. And it geotracks right back to the house, so you can see the address right on it. And, and so, you know, as this becomes more, that, that will be old technology eventually. It is a problem, you know. It really is a problem. You, they should disable their GPS. But, you know, you're going to see so much video and film like that. No, you can't. Well, you can probably take it off, but, you know, it's been out there a while. So, yeah. Yes. We're just learning about it. They just announced it, I think, Thursday I read it, or I've been gone all week, so I, I don't have it. Yeah. And that, I don't know. I was uh, kind of looking at it while I was playing up with the FBI. And uh, that I can't tell you yet. But I just read about it this week, and I, I realized the implications of all their technology pieces coming together and how that, why they're doing it. There's only two companies right now that are legitimate companies in the dark web. See, I'd had visions of this thing being 25%, and so as the FBI and uh, ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children, all that, penetrate the dark web, then it'll get smaller and smaller, and there'll be less dark web. But it isn't happening that way, because as fast as the top, the, the, the cloud and all that is getting bigger, the bottom is going from a river to an ocean, and, and so it gets harder. And now they're, they're putting these, um, and there's this fight about encryption, the backdoor encryption thing. So, and, and quite frankly, even here in the state of California, they are making surveillance and um, search very difficult now on law enforcement. They're changing the laws, saying, no, you're violating our privacy. Well, between not being able to track uh, things like bitcoins and then not being able to do searches, like that, it's getting more and more difficult. And now you see Facebook moving in this dark web. The other one is called ProPublica, and I don't know anything about them. But I find it interesting that legitimate companies would want to move into the dark web, you know, and yet they're saying, well, there's uh, millions of people who want to do whatever they're going to do. And you're saying, well, you're opening yourself up to ISIS and child pornography and like that. And they're saying, we're not responsible for how it's used. And, you know, there, there's always that conversation on there. And uh, we had that problem with Kick. They, they were like, we don't have to respond to these subpoenas. We're not responsible if a kid decides to disappear on Kick. And they were losing literally hundreds of kids, and some were being murdered. Uh, when I, the, I think the one on my Facebook today is a girl that got, went off on Kick, met a guy, and he murdered her. And uh, so there is, you know, it's a whole new world out there. You know, nobody owns it. And so there's all these lawsuits and like that, but it is going to get very complex. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Susie's just setting this up. I have somebody who runs all my social media. Poor lady, I only pay her 300 a month. She's a saint. I, I, it's all I can do to get 300 bucks to pay her, and I want to 
give her some more, but I believe she opened up my uh, Instagram, I think, but I'm not sure. She runs all that and posts it because I'm always out somewhere, and that's her skill, and she wanted to do that. So, uh, yeah, I know she was, uh, she rode back from San Jose yesterday, and she was playing on it on Instagram with me, so she was trying to tweet teach me to tweet. When you get a tweet from me, it's not really me. So, you know, I have tweeters and waiting kind of thing, you know. So. Uh. I'm developing that up in Riverside. I don't have enough down here yet, but there needs to be a lot more of that. Uh, I have several family, uh, I, li I love to train licensed marriage and family therapists. That's where I get many of my cases. They're, do they're working on these cases and they don't realize what they're working on. And so once I get them trained, then all of a sudden I get a whole new you know, batch of cases. But we need to train licensed family therapists because there's a lot of services for victims. But that family needs to be able to come alongside and then like you say they need to have family therapy the first thing a predator do is separate the child from the from the parent and make the parent the bad guy and especially if there's not a male in the house you know they play that game i'm sorry you don't have a dad in your life you know he doesn't know what he's missing i'll be your daddy Well, the reformation for a pimp is usually about 25 years in prison. Uh, and because this, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be very gentle with you, but pimping is uh, vile. I can't think of any other word. Uh, electrocution, burning, sodomizing, you know. It gets really, really awful what they do to another human being. And uh, the, the sentences are very, very long. Now let me talk about the bottom girl for a minute because that, that is a very difficult subject. In order to be a bottom girl, you had to be a victim once. And so are you a perpetrator or a victim? And usually the way we handle it, we look at the case and see how, how the case was handled. But especially those that are in school, you know, they're being used by the gangs because the gangs believe they're a buffer between them and prison. Number one, that doesn't work. But we'll usually set the girl down and say, you're gonna get a choice. You either get to be a pimp or you get to be a victim. And if you're going to be a victim, then you have to give us your pimp. Uh, because you saw that girl there. She chose to be a, a pimp, and she got 14 years. But she, she destroyed two 15-year-old girls' lives. You know, she took them to a water park and just sold them as sex slaves into a gang. And your life will never be the same, ever. You know, I mean, you can get years of counseling, but... You know, eventually you get better, but this is, you know, it's human slavery. It's sex slavery. It is just uh, horrible, some of the stuff that goes on with these people. By the way, that's why I fight so hard. I don't ever want to see another girl. You know, after what I saw this week on uh, up north, you say to yourself, what a travesty. Here is a beautiful young girl who made a bad decision, or she just wanted to be loved. Who amongst us doesn't want to be loved? Yeah. And uh, so the best is to do the prevention. But 
In the meantime, that's how we handle uh, the bottom girl. We try to treat them as victims. Our grant, we, we're funded by the Department of Justice, is all about how many victims do we help, not how many people did we arrest. Now, quite frankly, you're going to find I'm all about arresting perpetrators because I already know that your average guy will have at least five girls. If you, you might be able to save one, but if you don't get that guy off the street, it's just going to replace her just like that. So we need to, we need to treat this like the crime that it is. Yeah, I'd have a dialogue about that. You know, uh, love isn't things. You know, love isn't material things. And, um, I, you know, I don't know anything. It, I, I've been in the business so long. You got, oh, you have a male buying your kids lots of gifts? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell I'm jaded. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. What do we know about this guy? <laughs> anyway, but that, you know, it might be perfectly okay. Buy them. Sure. I mean, sometimes you can Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a grandma. I've done that a couple of times. But anyway, I would just make it very clear that it isn't about materialism and, uh, and like that. And that's very true of all relationships. I mean, I, I would just have that dialogue with them. But, you know, you, you begin to, to watch any time somebody's starting to give them gifts especially if it comes to another girl. You just, you know, as a parent, somehow you think that, that, you know, it's just another girl. What's the heck? And you don't realize, but those go very quickly. You want to be all over that. Anybody else? Yes. What about the trained Johns? What do other laws do to them? Well, I have uh, mixed emotions about Johns. I'm not your average person on that. First of all, in this business, we have three different kinds of Johns. One is gang Johns, and you're not going to do anything about rehabilitation of most of those. You, you might as well just send them to prison uh, because that's when a girl is sold into a gang and, it, and like that. Um, the next one is the migrant Johns, like I talked about with the brothel, the temporary brothel, and that has a whole different kind of approach. So if, then if we get down to the average sex buyer, if you don't know what I'm talking about by Johns, it's a, a person who's buying sex. I believe we need two approaches, and I believe our society is handling it wrong, and I testified to this at the Blue Ribbon Commission, and I got some interesting, some people thought, wow, that's cool, and other people thought, hmm. But uh, here's my line of thinking. Most men think it's prostitution as usual. Been around, you know, you hear this line all the time. Been around since the days of Christ, you know, forever. Oldest, world's oldest profession. And I'm saying all of that is true. But you need to know that it isn't prostitution as usual. Because the minute you do a transaction for sex now, there's a 90% chance in Riverside County that you're going to be dealing with a gang or a Mexican drug cartel. So your life's about to change, you know. And on top of it, if they're willing to sell a 15-year-old girl to you, 
they're willing to take a photo with you and that 15-year-old girl. And for 3000 they won't tell the wife. And for 5000 they won't tell the boss. Most people approach this that we got to take all the men and tell them these girls are being victimized. And if you have children in your life or girls in your life, that will make an impression on you. But for your average male, it won't. Because if you try to tell them, you know, when you buy a girl, you're exploiting her, your average motivated male, a male who's motivated by having sex, is going to go, yeah, I think that's what I'm paying for. And so they don't see that as a negative. And I'm saying you need to talk to them in real terms. You're about to do business with the Mexican drug cartel. How do you feel about that? Because they need to know what it's going to cost them. Now, there are several legal things going on. The whole state of California is struggling with the very question you ask. In L.A. County, they're talking about making it a felony. Maybe it should be. But if we're going to do that, we better educate all the men in our society so they know they're walking into a, a felony. Now, there is one group that wants to make it into rape. I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far because I think this is a societal change, and I don't believe that shaming men is going to accomplish this. Now, we do have some district attorneys that believe that shaming men is the only way to go. In uh, the county of San Bernardino, if you're caught buying sex, you go on a website with your photo, and sometimes you go on a billboard. I don't believe in that. Uh, the reason I don't believe in that is what if you're driving to your 14-year-old daughter or 15-year-old son to school, and dad's on a billboard? You now have two more victims. And so I'm not convinced that that's the way to go. What I have proposed to my um, district attorney, and he seems to be all over it, and I, he's just waiting on me to put pen to paper, I want to do a two-day John school so that if you're arrested, it'll cost you 1150 bucks. Okay, it's not cheap. But some of that money goes back to the police department to help them get the girl off the street and get her some services. And the other part of it is that you go to a two-day school, Friday and Saturday. I figure you can always lie to the wife on Saturday and take off work on Friday and get away with it. But on Friday, we tell them all about sex trafficking, you know, diseases, the law, and like that. But on Saturday, we have a sex and porn addiction counselor who is a male who happens to be a ex-paratrooper. He's tough as nails. And he talks to them about sex and porn addiction and then offers them counseling afterwards so that after they're through with the program, if they choose, they can voluntarily get some counseling. I believe that most men, once they understand what is happening, will say, I don't want any part of that. But we have a, everything's been about the victimization of the victim, and, I, and we need that. But we also need to educate our men. This isn't sex as usual. This is not prostitution as usual. Those days are gone. And if you're going to be buying that, number one, you're going to get caught. Number two, it's going to be very expensive. And number three, in some counties, you're going to be on a billboard. So don't do it because it isn't like you think it was. Our society changed with us without us. I mean, I don't know how many men that are here that have heard this before, but we need to educate the males also that this changed. And so, and once most men understand this isn't prostitution as usual, most men will say, I don't want any part of that. But I think our society hasn't, hasn't done enough of that. So, but it's a complex issue. I'm not sure I'm for making it rape yet because we haven't done the education to males.
you know, and I also think we need to keep rape for rape, you know, and, uh, but that's just my opinion. That doesn't make me right. I work in the business. I see all angles of it and I'm open to discussion, but you know, our society has taken a big change in the last couple, three years on all of this as the gangs and the drug cartels have entered it. And we need to educate our people about it. All right. So, um, You've got books here, correct? Okay. Um, you've got the offering envelope if you feel so led. Uh, we're going to pray for the food. I want to thank you for coming. Uh, hopefully this was beneficial. Uh, kind of opened your eyes to kind of what's going on out there. So uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for Opal coming down and, and helping to educate us and to, to open our minds to just a, a major issue that's out there. We know you're in control, and God, we would just pray that you would use us in some way to be able to help curb this and and just get a girl off the street or a young man off the street, and hopefully, Father, that they would never come to know your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray you bless this food to our body. We just thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen.